0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are
1: and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc.
0: Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine.
1: So Proverbs chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Another other translation says, guard your heart with all diligence. We'll explain that in a moment. We've talked about this verse several times over the last few months. For from it flow the springs of life. Not flows, flow, singular, meaning that it is a single source, distributes a single thread throughout our life, and it culminates in many str- springs or streams of life. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Well, the Old Testament alone uses the word heart 800 times. Over 200 times, it is used in direct uh, uh, connotation with one's thought life, the emotional life, the wellsprings of life, those things that motivate us, those things that mold us. And, and the way the mechanics work in the Scripture is the heart is the core of the identity of a person. So everything that we are and everything that we become flows first from there. And so the heart experiences, processes, throws it up to the mind, and that's where we decide life. So if we, a lot of times we try to tackle the mind first without affecting the heart, and we can affect e- moments, but we cannot alter the course of our character apart from transforming our heart or having our heart transformed upon us so what is the heart well later in the book Solomon writes this in Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen. he says as in water we would say a mirror face reflects face so the heart of man reflects the man you get it when you look in the mirror you see yourself but if you really want to see yourself look at your heart Anxiety, this is in uh, Proverbs 12 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. 15 13, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. Proverbs 18 12, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. So Proverbs touches a wide range of heart's condition, and it, it really goes into great detail about all of the facets of life stemming from the heart. You hear it about in 1410, a heart of bitterness, about a tranquil heart in 1430, about a sorrowful heart in 1513, an arrogant heart in sixteen five, intelligent heart in 1815, a proud heart in 214, purity of heart in 2211. Are you, right? Are you taking notes? I want you to go back and check this. Before you get a cupcake, you have to know all this. Over and over again, the, the whole Bible emphasizes how sin corrupts the human heart. Proverbs 6.14 talks about a perverted heart. A few verses later in 18, it says uh, that the heart a heart that devises wicked plans speaks of a crooked heart, a backslider in heart. 2623 talks about an evil heart. Proverbs 1220 reveals that deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. And 2625 describes how the one who hates has abominations. Guess where? In his heart. These things are not caused out here, these things are already in here. These realities are precisely why Solomon's. Asks this in Proverbs 20, verse 9 Who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin? And the answer is no one. Because you cannot make your heart pure, and you are not clean from your sin because of your changed behavior. We're not saved because we're good, and we're not saved because we're better. You know, there's a, there's a, a really good, and I don't, I don't mind it. I'm not anti it. But the, the, the whole be kind kind of movement uh, is great. We should be kind. But kindness can last a moment. But if a person experiences a transformed heart, kindness can become out of our character. We have to be careful that we're not trying to produce goodness But goodness is produced through us as we give Jesus Christ our heart. We often try to do better, be better, present better, manifest better. Let people look at us and see the development that we are making. But that does not last and it cannot sustain. And by the way, it's never true. It's never true. If you're better today than you were yesterday... We'll just wait around for a few moments because you will always revert back to your
0: heart. Always. How we, our reputation, or how we
1: present ourselves, or what, how other people perceive us, isn't, isn't real. It doesn't reveal truth. Our inner heart. Lies even to us. What was it? Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart is deceitful. Listen to this. Above all things. Desperately sick. Who can understand it? Or who can trust it? Wait a minute. The heart is deceitful. Above what? All things. But above all things, guard your heart. I just wonder, I think, I think often we, we spend so much energy on being better and presenting better and worrying about our reputation. I don't think that we truly recognize how sin has ruined and is ruining our hearts. And we give Satan far too much credit for doing the destruction, which most of that is right in here. The little allowances that we make every moment that maybe nobody sees, but it affects us. And we can pretend, but at the end of the day, the heart reflects the true identity. I wonder, when you think about the way the Lord can, knowing their heart, seeing their heart, <laughs> uh, I just I wonder if that causes us alarm when we think about not what other people think about our heart, when we think about the Lord knowing our true self, our true heart. You know, a person can lie to themselves or even try to dress things up on the outside. But there is one who knows everything about our hearts. And listen to this, Proverbs 15, 11. says, Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of man. The unknown, unseeable places of the world. The Lord lies wide open before him. Just think about how much easier it is for him to read our hearts. Proverbs 17.3 says, The crucible is for silver, the furnace is for gold, the Lord tests hearts. Every man, every way of man is right in his own eyes. You get that? You can justify whatever you want. But the Lord weighs the heart. Proverbs 21.2. You see... What you think about what you do is completely irrelevant. You're not the judge. The way that you can justify the little things, the little indulgences, the little tolerances, the little acceptances of the things that don't really affect you like they affect everybody else, how you think they affect you, irrelevant. I'm not sure that we understand that the Lord desires to be at work in our lives. And when He is at work in our lives, He aims straight at the heart. And because of that, so does Satan. And often our own desires and our flesh fill our hearts to the very brim. And when we spend most of our days and most of our energies and most of our thoughts focused on the things of this world... It leaves very little room for the Lord to do his work in the source of all things. And that's where the transformation takes place. That's where the construction takes place of what God wants to do. Okay, back to Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart diligently. Now listen,
0: he does not call us there to change our hearts. Why? Because you can't change your heart.
1: That's his construction in us. You're called to keep it, to guard it, to protect it. God changes it based on how you keep it. And yes, we are under construction, but we are responsible for every delay in that project. But God does the work. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put it within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. It's a very important passage of scripture because what, what the Lord is, is saying through Ezekiel is that the, the course of nature, corruption of nature, our heart turns to stone. But what the Lord will do is He'll give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that's alive,
0: a heart that's renewable. And this is the heart you are entrusted to keep with all diligence. Now that you are subcontractors,
1: our responsibility is to keep the heart clean, pure, Holy, exposed to right things, and nourished with transforming truth. You know, God made us fearfully and, and wonderfully made. And of course, I'm not speaking of the, of the, the organ inside of us that, that pumps blood. But God has made us to where we cannot think two things at one time. Some of you will debate that. But you cannot think two things at one time. So how do you keep from thinking what is wrong? Now, I'm going to make this really simple. It is super, super simple. How do you keep from avoiding thinking what is wrong? Have you, have, maybe Probably just me. I'm, I'm sure that it's just me. But have you ever caught yourself thinking about something that you knew you shouldn't be thinking about, but you cannot stop thinking about it? And you start thinking about something else, and before
0: very long, you end up thinking about that Again? Well, here's the easy answer, and, it, and it's so
1: hard. So how can you avoid thinking negatively? <clears throat> you can't think
0: two things simultaneously. So instead of thinking about something wrong, what is it? Think about something right. It's easy. Let's stand for
1: prayer. I'm just kidding. Uh, don't. It's easy. Think what is Right. And if you're thinking what's right, you can't possibly be thinking what's wrong. Now, wait a minute. Here's the thing. That what you feed your mind and your heart is is the direction that your heart will go. So I'm just telling you that, that when you find yourself focusing on the wrong things, it's because you're feeding your heart the wrong things. And yet you tell yourself that the things that you're feeding your heart doesn't affect you. But we're eat up with anxiety and worry and fear and disappointment and frustration and addictions and rebellion and all sorts of things. And we wonder, why can't I turn off my mind? Because you're
0: not turning off that source that's feeding that, that way of thinking. Listen to this, Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. I have hidden your word in my heart.
1: Where? What did, I, what did I put in my heart? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I will seek you with my all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Over and over we see that the way to purify the heart is to nourish the heart with the word of God. And when your heart is nourished with the word of God, guess what your mind attaches itself to? True things. Honest things. Things of a good nature.
0: Things that produce wholeness and wellness. Hebrews Chapter 4,
1: verse 12, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. See, Hebrews, Hebrews tells us that, that the Word of God cuts both ways. It cleans and it protects. It guards for the heart and it guards against the world. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but throughout Scripture uh, and obedience, your heart begins to transform. And that's the single source of everything else in your life. When the, when the heart begins to transform, notice, notice the progression. When the heart begins to transform, the construction continues. It affects the way you speak. Look at verse 24. It affects the way you see the world and the way you're able to guard your eyes. Verse 25. It guards your steps or the direction of your life and, and, and the desires of where you're going to go. In verse 27. So what is your heart? Well, it's, it's how you identify. Cut and dry. Your heart is where you identify. It's, where, it's the summation of who you are. Your identity and what you tell yourself about yourself is everything. And we'll be really seeing that truth lived out in our culture today, are we not? So if you want to know what's in your heart, just listen to what you say. Just listen to what you say. Now listen, this is, this is hard-hitting, okay? I want you to listen to me with grace. And I know that everybody... Just, okay, listen for the person sitting beside you because I know that probably all of us are the exception to these rules. When you dwell and your, 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 uh, your words speak the things of the world, uh, just know, if you want to know what's in your heart, just listen to what escapes your lips. What are you talking about? What are you focused on? What are you rallying around? What are you worried about? These are the things you're feeding yourself. What are you complaining on? What are you grumbling over? What, are, what is wrong with the world around you? These are the things that you... And listen, it's easy to complain about every facet of life, especially right now. But if, you, but if your lips, if that's all that's coming out, then that's all you're feeding yourself. If you feed yourself God's Word, it'll change what you want to talk about. It'll change what you want to look at. It'll change where you want to walk to. It'll change every relationship in your life.
0: It'll change your heart. It'll change your mind. It'll change your behavior. Focused on the Word of God. So Jesus said, in Matthew 12, 34, out of the
1: abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So if, if I go, if I go to a well and I drop a bucket down in the well, what's in the well is is most easily identified how?
0: By what comes up in the bucket, right? Now, if I go and say, well, that's a really pretty well. I really
1: like the masonry on this. They keep this clean. It looks like it's been recently pressure washed. That's nice.
0: I'm telling you, you're not going, you better not drink water out of that well till you examine the bucket. Just think about that for a moment. That's what Jesus is saying. Except he's saying a little better than that.
1: Out of the abundance of the heart, you, your, your tongue goes down there, pulls out whatever is down there. You want to know what's in the bucket? Look. Blessings and cursings. When your heart is pure, your mind is clear, then you can see with God's eyes, you can hear with his ears, you can touch with his hands, and you can love with his love. But when, you are, when you're divided in your heart, when you are lying, when you are hiding, when you are pretending, then, then Scripture says you're going to be unstable in every way. Because everything flows from the heart, and that's positive. That's positive. If your heart is right. But everything flows from the heart. Now, listen, I don't, I don't, I'm just not directed to any one of us. But if your life, if like everything in your life is like disruptive and frustrating and disappointing, and, and everything is grumbling and complaining and blah, 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 you know. Again, not, not for this room, but I'm just an illustration.
0: Uh, it ain't everything else. It's this. You can fake it sometimes, but sometimes
1: it cannot be faked. You can even fake yourself out, but you cannot fake it in the kingdom. Because when you walk into the kingdom, everything you faked is going to be burned up. And all you're going to have left is that heart. Look back at verse 23. I guess I'm going to say that a lot uh, today. Look back at chapter 4, verse 23. Two, two phrases jump off the page when we read it. Above all else and wellspring of life. Above all else, to me, communicates priority. Priority. Wellspring of life kind of communicates the promise. So so identifying, this text is identifying guarding your heart as more important than well, in life itself, than anything else. It's the, it's the filter to process life after the fall of man. So, Jesus in the New Testament, he declared that we should love the Lord our God with all of our what? When describing the kingdom of God, Jesus says that he revealed that the things that come out of the heart defile a man. He also said, Where your treasure is, there your Heart will be also. The apostle said. The, the, the apostle Paul said when he was praying for the saints that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. So all the way through Scripture we begin to see this. Proverbs chapter three verse five. All the way back there, trust the Lord with all of our heart. You remember even Samuel when he was getting ready to anoint King David as the future king. <laughs> he says. God doesn't evaluate people by their reputation, by their height, by their weight, by their beauty, by their education. God God does not evaluate people by their outward appearance. God evaluates people by their heart. Probably the most significant verse, we looked at it last week, is Romans 10 verse nine. It says a person may be saved by believing where? Not, Not out here, not even up here. In fact, this is a fundamental flaw of our faith, believing in Jesus right here. Now, if you believe in Jesus, you have to make sure that that, that, that belief is here. Because if, you're, if your trust in Jesus is only here, it's momentary, it's momentary. It's moment by moment and circumstance by circumstance. But if you believe in Jesus Christ right
0: here, it produces the issues of life. You don't have to worry about, oh yeah, and Jesus. The heart is ground zero of God's construction of us. And it's commanded to us to do the keeping,
1: the guarding, the examining. It's not just an emotional place. It includes emotion, but the heart is not limited to emotion. According to Scripture, the heart can be grieved, troubled, broken, pierced, divided, joyful. It's the, truly the truest expression of who we really are. And it cannot be faked. If we talked about spiritual disciplines, if I were to say, hey, let's talk about what spiritual disciplines are you developing in your life, you know, what, what, what would be on your list? Well, let's assume there would be something on the list. So let's say Bible study. Spiritual discipline, yeah, very important, right? Bible study. Uh, prayer, yeah, prayer's good. Church attendance, it's good being around with the saints and uh, iron sharpening iron. Yeah, good. Evangelism, sharing your faith with people. That's, that's terrific. Uh, serving the Lord. You grow a lot by serving the Lord and sharing your faith. Uh, worship. Some even may even have fasting on the list. Great spiritual disciplines. But did you know that every spiritual discipline that you can possibly imagine flows out of guarding your heart with all diligence? It's the chief one. If you focus on that one, you don't have to focus on spiritual disciplines. You don't have to develop the habit of journaling or the habit of praying if you keep your heart with all diligence. There's uh, two words that that work together in this verse. The first one is Natser, which is the translated keep, guard, uh, in different translations, it means, it actually means to protect, okay? So keep your heart with all, mitchmar. That's a, a very interesting word that is translated diligence, vigilance, but it means to watch after. So do you want to break this down and how do you keep guard over your heart? That's a very important question. We need to know that. So so is it is it protecting my heart or is it watching my heart? So I think about, you know, what, what, what is it that I'm guarding? Am I guarding my heart or am I, am, you know, just this rug is my heart, right? I mean, am I, am I guarding my heart or am I protecting my heart? You know how to know the difference? It's which way the gun's directed. <laughs> That's how you tell the difference. Am I protecting my heart or am I protecting or, or am I guarding my heart? So, you know, and, and, and I think that it includes both of those things because, because Solomon uses both of these things Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Look carefully. Uh, uh, that, that word is akribos. It means to, uh, to, to, to um, with pinpoint precision, to evaluate and to inspect, to, to, to uh to, to never relent and to do it with perfection is that actually what the word means. And so if you put those words together, in fact, some translations have translated that word as walk circumspectly, which is where we get our word uh, circumference, which means the circle of the thing. So what what Paul is saying is what Solomon already said. When it comes to your heart, I'm not going to be able to do that up here to to, uh, demonstrate it. But if your heart is right in the center of this thing, to walk circumspectly around it is not to do this. It's, It's to be constantly revolving. And now I'm guarding against the world and now I'm protecting my heart and I'm looking over here and I'm, I'm being able to look through the heart to see what is warring against my heart and I'm constantly moving, inspecting my heart and guarding against the world. And that's what it looks like to keep your heart with all diligence is to constantly be protecting your heart. Listen, protecting your heart is a whole lot more than just saying no to sin. Protecting your heart is nourishing it, keeping it nourished in the Word of God. Now, just picture this. Your your heart is a voracious, voracious eater, and you become what you eat, right? So so sometimes your your children eat what they want, and sometimes they have to eat what they need to, to stay healthy. So when you when you prepare a, a, a meal for your child, sometimes, you know, it's, it's fun to eat. Sometimes it's, you know, take four more bites of this. I, I guess parents still still do
0: that. That's a bad illustration. But we must not only knock evil
1: out of the heart's mouth, but we also must provide a better substitute. So we need to knock the evil out of our heart's mouth. But your heart also has to take in
0: healthy nourishment. Both sides of that are equally true. Because when our heart is strong, then
1: we're able to resist the temptations that, honestly, most Christians trip up with things that Christians shouldn't trip up with. Struggle with things that if your heart were stronger... You wouldn't trip over those things. I think Satan is always going to throw things. that He knows what we're going to trip over. But man, I'm telling you, faith today, we're tripping over things we ought not be tripping over. It's Because we're not nourishing our heart. We might be avoiding the things of the world, but we're not putting on the things of God. And if I could just get really specific, watching things we ought not watch, listening to things we ought not listening, tolerating things we ought not be tolerating, and not sharing our faith the way we should and serving the way we should and and cultivating a heart for the Lord. As long as we do the external things, we don't have to worry about the internal things, but the internal things are the things that transform us. In our progressive, permissive, tolerant, fearful world, we've come to
0: just flat out ignore holiness. we've very much become double minded listen we value we
1: value faith and truth i mean with our lips we value faith and truth we say our faith is important to us but and we fill our hearts with trash and we wonder why trash comes out in our life and we say well does it really affect me what well, john would the apostle john would say you're a liar now, here's the, here's the bad thing. We will not all agree on what is trash. Some people would say, well, I don't have a conviction about that. And other people would say, well, that's an absolute conviction about that. So let's just set all that aside and say, let's not argue over trash. Let's not argue over what is trash. Let's argue over what is Christlikeness. Because I can pretty much say that we might not agree on what is trash, but we can agree on what is Jesus. When you start agreeing on what is trash, we're going to start getting divided. But when we agree on what is Jesus, we'll start looking more like him. Instead of asking the question, what can I do and get away with it? What is sin or not? We should be asking ourselves, what is holiness and what is not? It, not not what, is, what is right and what is wrong. That, those are the questions criminals ask. The question we should be asking is the difference between better and best. What will allow me to look the most like Jesus? Does this this replicate Christ in my life the most? I'm telling you, that is the discipleship question. What decision do I need to make in my life? Not what do I believe up here, but what decision do I need to make in my life so that I can look the most like Jesus as I possibly can? That's what it looks like to guard your heart with all diligence. To know what to put off and to know what
0: to put on. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have such a
1: large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter Of our faith, you know, if you go to a if you go to a a freshwater spring, and and you go to any of its tributaries or somewhere, and you put poison in those tributaries, well, it will affect everything downstream. But if you put poison in the spring, it will affect everything downstream. And I think sometimes that's what we do as Christians: we allow
0: poison. In our hearts, and it affects every aspect of our lives. I uh,
1: I live in the city here of Russellville, and so we have the contract with you know a trash collector. And uh, and I take my trash out most nights. Sometimes I sometimes or sometimes I don't. Uh, somebody will beat me to it in my family. Uh, but when I take the trash out, I can tell you this: I have never I
0: have never spent one night setting watch over my trash. Anybody ever
1: watched your trash to make sure nobody gets it? I'll just check. <laughs> you can come guard mine sometimes I, uh, i've never I've never put a guard up over my trash because
0: because it's, it's worthless. It's worthless. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. We don't guard worthless things. Why would you guard something worthless?
1: But the heart is exposed to, to everything. I mean, your heart is open to everything. I mean, your heart is just, it's wide open to everything. And it, is, it washes between this new heart. That God puts in us and this desire for that old hardened heart that can get away with anything. And if you're not careful, you'll start living over here in the hardness of the heart. And everything about this world will tell you that's the direction you should live. Nobody should judge you. Nobody should have an opinion about that. Nobody nobody should, should say anything to you. You, you. If you're going to really love somebody, just let them make their own decisions. But... Scripture says just the opposite of this. If you love people, you're going to try to get in their way of their destruction. You ever heard of the five-second rule? You drop, you drop food on the floor, that hits a five-second rule. If you like it, if it's a green bean or maybe a Brussels sprout, there's no, why is there no five-second rule for a Brussels sprout? You're like, well, throw that away. You don't want that. But, you know, if it's, if it's like a, a, you take a bite of a, like a Long John or a chocolate eclair, cream-filled chocolate eclair, and it falls down your shirt, you're like, well, it depends on how much of the cream gets. I know. I mean, there's a rule. I mean, there's rules. Like, I can't blow that off. I don't know what to do. Did anybody see? Did anybody see? Because if nobody saw, it's, there's no such thing as a five-second rule if nobody saw it. If you're by yourself, you're not counting to Five. And if it's really good, it might be I've heard, there's a 10-second rule. I mean, if you really want it If you're by yourself, you might even brush off coffee grounds if it falls into the, into the garbage. <laughs> I mean, you brush off it, you brush off a Kleenex <laughs> that wasn't yours? Uh, that's gross. Unless you're all by yourself and nobody saw.
0: (laughs) Listen, there's a whole lot of our lives that are falling on the floor and we're just trying to blow it off. There's a lot of Christians that are just living on trash.
1: Keeping up appearances, but producing trash. At least they know they're producing trash. They, they know there's not healing. They know there's not freshness. They know they've not they're not a, a freshwater spring. They know they're not life-giving in their words. They know the things that they're watching on the computer or things they're looking at on their phone or things they're listening to. They know, people know, people know what you look at, what you think when people are walking by. People know how you judge your neighbors. People know, you know, you can fake me out, but I'm telling you, you know, and what you don't know, God knows. Just eating trash all
0: day long and trying to produce something that looks like Jesus. Our culture.
1: Our culture hasn't it's never been easier to look like Jesus than it does than it is right now. Because holiness has never been more obvious in this dark place that we live in. Our culture promotes tolerance over truth. There's Solomon reminds us that there is a right and a wrong and there is a good and a bad and there is a a righteousness and an evil and there is a better and best. And for the follower of Jesus, our heart must be a better or best. And the heart will always chase. You say, well, I really don't want that kind of relationship with Jesus. It's because you don't have one. Because I'm telling you that if you, your heart will chase what you feed it. If you begin to feed it christ likeness, it will crave christ likeness. If you say, I haven't really developed a conviction over that. Well, it's because you're not developing a conviction over Jesus. Christianity has become really in our enlightened increase of knowledge, uh, it's become mostly about what we believe. It's become about the, the systematic faith system that we live in. And no, no offense to apologetics, but it's become a, a defense for our faith. But Christianity is not about what we believe, Christianity is about who we believe. It's about a relationship with a person, not a belief in a system. Facts provide good information, but truth produces transformation. And Jesus is the truth. There's far too many Christians that treat knowing Jesus as a a simple fact instead of of a transforming truth. Jesus is not just facts to be believed in. He is a truth that transforms us. He isn't someone to believe in. He is someone to follow And to emulate. Here's how you will know you know that you follow him when you follow his truth.
0: And you know that it's his truth when it transforms you to look like him, not a better version of you. When it shapes, when truth shapes your life, that's when you know. Back to
1: Proverbs 4. The heart affects our speech, our sight, and our steps. Is yours chasing after God? After God's will? After God's desires for you? And after God's desires for those in your circles? You know, I think of uh, the the scripture says, I believe it's... uh, Luke chapter 10 talks about Jesus saw Satan falling from heaven. And then you remember when Jesus is going to Jerusalem and Peter gets in his way and says, You know, we're not going to do this. Jesus said, uh, Get behind me. Jesus knows very well who Satan is, and yet he looks at Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> uh, Jesus, Jesus could see a greater force working behind the scenes. There was something working behind the scenes. And and that's what I want to close with today. Very few Christians pay attention to what's working behind the scenes. Peter saw his moment and his desires, but Jesus was in the exact same moment and saw God and his desires. But we're so consumed with what we can see and what we can touch that we're rarely under under the instruction of Paul in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 18, when he says we have the ability to see the unseen. And I, I believe that if we're walking with Christ, he gives us the ability when our hearts are nourished with truth to be able to see the unseen. And when we're sensitive to that, we can see the damage that can be done to our heart or we can see the damage that's already done to our heart. Most Christians just want to ignore it. They want to ignore the day-to-day and feel good about their Bible reading or their church attendance or their prayer, but we're not becoming like Jesus. And that's the essence. Or we wait, we wait until we have to. We wait until older enough, when we get old enough not really enjoy life as much. I mean, I know that's the way young people think. Well, that's, I'll do that later. I'll, I'll become more mature spiritually when I become more mature you know, and older and start getting things serious and, or wait till the bottom falls out of my life and then I'll get serious. Choosing to ignore the enemy, ignore the battle, will not make it go away. In fact, I would say this to us. Refusing to fight what I'm talking about isn't a choice that you make. It's disobedience. It's not a matter of, well, this is just for the spiritual elite. No, not
0: not guarding your heart is disobedience. And another word that we use is commitment. You know, we focus on commitment so much. And
1: I hear a lot of people say, well, Christians today just aren't as committed. You know, young, young people today aren't as committed. Of course they are committed to whatever they want to be committed to. Commitment is not our problem. And I want you to remember this. With grace and love, and I speak this, I don't know how it's going to come across, but I've prayed about it. Commitment is not our issue. Commitment focuses on the facts. Commitment focuses on the externals. Commitment is not our problem. We have a deeper problem than commitment and, and what we're committed to. There's a much better word that would explain the deficit of holy living in our culture. And it's the word surrender. It's surrender. If, if, if you know what to surrender to, your commitments make themselves. But it's easy to be committed right here and to value things right here, but they never affect us down here. It's understanding, it's about guarding the heart is about understanding authority. And, and the world and the culture and the news and the, the pop culture and social media, incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful. Satan is powerful. And sometimes we give in to that power. But, but God's enemies, listen to me, and I want you to hear this so clearly God's enemies have no authority. They have power, they have no authority. I was thinking about how, how, would I, how would I demonstrate that? And I think about a, a heavyweight boxer, 200 pound, two 200 pound men with their muscles have muscles and they are, they are like well-tuned machines and they're beating each other's brains out. And they have a lot, a lot of power. But when that referee says break it up, What do they do? They break it up. When he taps them, they move. Why? Because he has the authority. He didn't have much power, but he has all the authority. So I want to leave you with that. That in your life, don't fall for something that has power, craving, pull. Remember the authority. All the authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ. And he gave it to you to guard your heart. Don't fall for the lie that power and influence and those things, they're nothing, they have no
0: authority in your life. You may have made a commitment to that authority, but what we need to make is a surrender to it. I've got a quote here from Joseph's son. He's a
1: Romanian Christian. Went through a lot of persecution. I won't tell his story.
0: But he says this. Well, I'll just read it. <clears throat>
1: surrender is different. If someone holds a gun and asks you to lift your hands as a token of surrender, you don't tell that person what you're committed to. You simply surrender and you do what you've been told. We love commitment, because with commitment, we're still in control. We control how we're going to be committed.
0: But when you surrender, you forfeit your right to control. He says, but the key word of following Christ is surrender. We are called to
1: be slaves. And the only way that we can do that is to guard our heart.
0: We do the guarding. He will do the transforming. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. Keep your heads down. Try to keep a still sense to the room. I want us to focus on
1: keeping our heart and being empowered in such a way as to to surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ. That's the essence of faith. That's the power of guarding our heart. Not having the right answers or being in the right places. The key to guarding our heart is surrendering to the right authority.
0: And if your life this morning is not surrendering If it is not a
1: surrendered life, then you're just going through the motions and trying to figure out why why there's such upheaval in your life. And the upheaval isn't the problem. The upheaval is the symptom to the problem. Frustration and disappointment, disillusionment, dissatisfaction, all of these things are not the problem that you need to figure out and sort out. These things are a symptom that God gives to us because He loves us and wants us to surrender to His authority in our life. And when you do, then the issues of life will sort themselves out as Christ has lived through your life. I don't do this very often, but I want to do this today. I feel like the Lord is working. If you're here today, nobody's looking around. I don't want anybody looking around. If you're here today, I want, if if you, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that you don't want to do. But if you're here today and you know that you are not surrendered to the authority of Jesus Christ, and the easiest way that that's manifest is, is how you're guarding your heart, keeping your heart, how you're nourishing your heart. And you know that you're not, You're not who you want to be. You're not who you pretend to be. Would you very quietly, discreetly, just lift your hand up. I want to be able to pray for you. I see hands all over the place. Just lift it up and you put it right back down. If you're, are you here today and maybe not a Christian at all? You've, you've never asked Jesus for his life? Would you, would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor Blaine, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. I mean, I know the facts of Jesus, but I'm not so sure that if I were to die today, I'm not, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity. Would you slip your hand up and just let me pray for you? I'm not going to call your name or embarrass you. I wouldn't do that for anything. The answer is surrender. And no matter how much you have surrendered, as the Lord reveals and unlocks more of our heart, we realize there's more to surrender. And so today I want us all to pray collectively. I want us to pray and ask that we would give we would give Jesus complete access to our hearts and that we would devote time nourishing it with his word and we would spend time paying attention to to the to the little tricks and the little traps that Satan sets that sets our mind off the little things that we tolerate that is not producing Christ in our life would you ask that when you experience those moments if you will ask that the, that the Holy Spirit would would prick your hearts and cause you to rethink maybe this morning your heart is a heart of stone and you're not recognizing the prompting of the Spirit will you pray this morning that you could become refreshed by the prompting of the Spirit If the world has ever needed an example of life in Christ, it's today. Be that. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we come to the end of our time together I pray that you would continue to move and to speak I pray that we would learn to walk circumspectly carefully with precision to know that everything that we take into who we are is producing something else inside of us intentionally to make us more like Jesus or less like Jesus Help us, Lord, not to be satisfied with anything artificial. Help us to recognize the subtle things that we've tolerated for so long that have kept us from looking more and more like you. And most importantly, Lord, I pray that you would grant us a heart of repentance. That... Rather than grieving the spirit, our hearts would be grieved until we are made right with you. So cleanse our heart, Lord. Make us white as snow. We love you and we thank you for who you are. What you do, have done, are doing. Will do. As we surrender to your authority. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.